This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. everyone welcome to another edition of tunnel vision i'm your host ryan abraham and we got a little brady bunch thing going on today i'm in the studio here at uscfootball.com headquarters and we got uh chris trevino who is up there chris what's up man how are you good i know maybe people are expecting me to be tatted right now in a tattoo parlor <laughs> but i made the announcement yesterday that due to health and safety protocols we had to delay it for next sunday and that's the sound of like a thousand people clicking off the show right now. But no. next Sunday is the actual day. Or Chris next will be Sunday remote is. next Sunday, but he'll be tattooed live with his 10K. He's tattoo. doing it. Chris is in there. We got uh, Nicole up there. Nicole, how are you doing? Good. Hello, everyone. Both What's those up? guys were at the Coliseum uh, yesterday for USC Spring Game. And then over here, we got our buddy Shotgun Spratling back on the East Coast. What's up, Shoddy? Hola, hola, amigos. Yeah. Uh, so we're all here. We're going to be, we're doing it all remotely. Unfortunately, I caught that thing that's called the coronavirus. And so I'm still, uh, I'm in quarantine, but I'm in the studio by myself and we're going to do all this. But next week we will be able to do this live. Uh, Nicole and I in studio and then Chris will be at a tattoo parlor. So he will get his tattoo live on tunnel vision, but that's good because we have a lot to get to today. Anyway, obviously the spring game, we want to recap it was live on ESPN, big production, lots of people talking about it on social media. So we're going to get everyone's reaction. Like I mentioned, uh, I couldn't be there in person. So Shotgun and I were both uh, watching it on the ESPN broadcast and then following along with what Chris and Nicole and our whole team that was down there tweeting and posting on the uscfootball.com message boards about. So we'll get their insight of what they heard down there on the sidelines uh, from the spring game. It was an offensive defensive affair. The offense won, what was it, 34, 30 or something like that. But uh, we'll, we'll get into all that, some of the stars of the scrimmage. And really the first time we got to see these guys live uh, outside of the you know beginnings of practice where you see the position drills and stretching, really seeing plays being run. It was first time for us and 34,000 plus fans uh, that showed up at the Coliseum uh, to watch it. So record record crowds for, for a spring game. We also had some off the field news with uh, – a new pickup on the recruiting front, uh, a new commitment for the class of 2023, and also uh, a transfer portal addition. So there's going to be a bunch of transfer portal things happening. The deadline is May 1st to enter the transfer portal. Your name has to be in the transfer portal by May 1st to be eligible to play 
in the 2022 season. So over the next week, expect a whole bunch of names to be entering the portal. And then the weeks after that, people picking schools and, and committing to different places. So it's going to be crazy the next few weeks, uh, what's going on with the transfer portal. Lincoln Riley already said he's going to add uh, double-digit uh, people, so p players from the transfer portal. So one already in there. So we'll talk about all that and everything else. But uh, Chris, let's start with you uh, as far as the the spring game went. If you, got, you haven't checked out his ghost notes, they're really good. They're funny. Um, you should go check them out. Uh, you know, his run-in with Sean Cody and stuff. So maybe kind of give your overall impressions, Chris, of uh, what you saw out there at the Coliseum. Yeah, for, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, for starters, I think there was just a really good energy throughout the day. You know, I got there really early because I like to be there early. And, you know, there was already a line sort of get into the parking garage and that kind of filled over throughout the day. You saw a lot of people at the surplus sale. People started filling in right at 10. And, you know, throughout the day, you could just see a lot of excitement on the, the faces of fans. You know, I had fans DMing me, kind of talking about their experience and they, you know, had a great time. Uh, there was a great energy, you know, Lincoln had that great quote, you know, there's a lot of momentum going on right now. And if you don't notice it in this city, you know, you're not paying attention. And, you know, I would agree with that, you know, over 33,000 came out. I know I predicted something like 50,000. That was just me talking. I, a lot of people are poking fun at me for that, for that total. You put me on the spot. I say dumb things, but 33,000, you know, that's the most that USC has had at a spring game since uh, numbers were being tracked in the 1990s. So that's a really good turnout. I, I know they absolutely wanted a big turnout with everything that had going on, but for the field stuff too, I mean, you got to see an exciting offense. You got to see a defense that looked a lot cleaner than we've had seen in the past, you know, with tackling and not a lot of penalties on both sides. Overall, I think there was just a lot of overwhelming positives to take away from the game, from the team on the field that you saw, and then from the people in the, in the stands. For sure. Uh, Nicole, you were down there too. Uh, just impressions of being on the field, seeing the the fans out there, the Lincoln Riley, you know, running things for the first time. Any uh, initial thoughts on that? Yeah, Chris touched on a lot of it, but it was definitely, I think, a great way to wrap up spring camp. The energy and just the confidence that the players showed after every play was a huge drastic difference from what I noticed last season. Got to see Caleb Williams out there. He looked great. The Caleb Williams-Mario Williams connection definitely is in L.A. Um, two touchdowns for Mario. That was pretty awesome. Miller Moss also looked great out there. Started a little shaky at first. He was working with second team, so it was a little shaky at first. But he looked great. Um, he had a 48-yard or something like that past Cal Ford. Looked awesome. So I just think overall, and like Chris said, the tackling was very clean. One of the things Lincoln touched on was – he wanted to use the spring game to limit those unnecessary penalties. And I think they did exactly that. They only had two the entire game or the half they played. So overall, really positive vibes, good energy. I think it really got all the fans excited about this season and really just, we don't want to get too carried away with everything, but I think that from what we saw, it's, it's looking good. So it was fun to be down there. Yeah. Overwhelmingly positive experience and just watching, uh, you know, I had to watch on TV, like I said, shotgun, you're, impressions you're know, watching from the east coast i mean it was a the, the only spring game that espn put out there um big production you know you had rg3 on the sidelines and talking you know talking about things and uh just having that kind of showcase uh i thought they put on a really good show just from what you know what they had a good platform to do it i think they put on a good showing that first drive you know six runs six passes uh 
Uh, I'll, I'll show the touchdown. This is the, uh, the touchdown. Throw to the end zone. Touchdown. Caught. Hey, there's me. That is. Oh, you there, Nicole? Here, let's see. Throw to the end zone. Touchdown. Caught. Nice. That is. Pretty cool, yeah. Throw to the end zone. Touchdown. Caught. The first drive. But, Shotgun, what were your initial thoughts of the spring game? Uh, the first thing is that the Caleb Williams is really good. Um, and, you know, it's what we anticipated would be there. But, you know, it was kind of just seeing how far along did the offense look like it was. And I thought the most intriguing part is the offensive line. And the fact that, you know, there weren't a ton of busts. There weren't, you know, the quarterbacks weren't running for their lives, which is what we saw last spring game. You know, Mo Hassan gets hurt. And then Miller Moss is basically, the, he has to take all the snaps. And he was under duress the entire time. So it was completely different in that regard. Um, and I think the fact that we saw all the different transfers, that was the big thing is what are the transfers going to look like? What does is, what is Romello Height look like coming off the edge? What does Shane Lee look like going sideline to sideline? Um, just getting to see some of those, you know, some of those things where you, you see a little bit in the drills that they do, but you don't really know what it's going to look like in full pads and, you know, when a, when a play is being you know, run. Um, so I, I think that was the most interesting thing. Troy, uh, Travis Dye, I always try to call him his older brother. Uh, <laughs> Travis Dye, you know, looked really good. Um, Austin Jones, uh, you know, the, the running game was moved the ball pretty well. The, the few times that they used it, the passes to, you know, Terrell Bynum, they're running the inside slot, you know, the slot fade, some different things. Um, just a lot of positives around. And again, it's a spring game. It's a spring game. Let's, let's hold off before we start crowning USC, the Pac-12 champs or anything, and we start talking about how this passing game is going to be elite. Just remember how many cornerbacks and defensive backs were out for USC, and that's what you always have to take away from spring games. Remember how I think Victor Blackwell had like 100-something yards and three touchdowns in a, in a spring game. What did he do the rest of his career at USC? So – this pump the brakes a little bit, but some positives getting to see those new guys and see what they look like, um, you know, in, in real uh, game action. Yeah, I thought there were some positives just looking at those players. Like if you watch a Travis Dye or an Austin Jones, you're like, okay, if you look at Austin Jones' numbers last year for Stanford, they were pretty pedestrian, but Stanford's offense was terrible. And you watched him run. Uh, in this game, he had a touchdown there. I put a picture of, of uh, that one earlier, but. Yeah, he had a touchdown run in there, but I liked the way, uh, you know, they ran the football, and I liked what I saw from Caleb Williams. I liked what I saw from Miller Moss, and I think just schematically, when you're looking at this offense overall, you weren't we weren't sure what it, it but it felt very competent. And I think I think Chris, you might have put it in your ghost notes talking about there just was an air of confidence that Lincoln Riley's calling the offense and things were going to work. Uh, it was cool to see tackles and guards like pulling and running downhill and receivers blocking downfield. It just seemed like people were moving around with a purpose and there was really, there was a plan. The plan was good. And then they were executing the plan and you had some really good players like Caleb Williams throwing to Mario Williams. And so to me, it just, the, the competency that we thought we felt in spring on the spring practices, I, I felt the same way in the spring game. I don't any thoughts, Chris. I mean, Nicole touched on that. And we actually, we were after a touchdown, I believe it might have been the Austin Jones touchdown. I kind of turned to her and like, I want to talk about this on instant, but, you know, you can just see when they're out there, they're having fun. You know, there's confidence there. And I spent the second half of the of the uh, the spring game on the offensive side, 
started with the defensive sideline uh, to start the game. But, you know, I was just looking at how people were, you know, moving out there, how they were interacting on the sideline. Everyone was just smiling, good times, lots of pats around the back. You know, everyone was really excited, especially after that Kyle Ford touchdown. Just a lot of energy, good energy. You know, Shotgun, you, you saw it a bunch of times last year on the sideline, just a lot of poor body language, a lot of bad energy. And obviously that, that had to do with them losing a lot. But, you know, this is a fresh start and you, you got to see a lot of, you know, that that good juju out there. And like Ryan said, when, you, when you're confident, you feel like you have a good plan in place. It just makes the world a difference out there. Yeah. What, what yeah. did it feel like for you? Oh, sorry. With that, yeah, I was going to say that, that it looked very similar to the Washington State game where it felt like, hey, mm -hmm. a fresh start. Uh, you know, the things are going well for USC after, you know, they score that touchdown late in the half. And, you know, Kyle Ford gets that touchdown down the sideline. Seemed very similar there where everyone's just excited. Hey, this is a fresh start. Things are going to go the right way. Now let's see what happens when, you know, when you actually face a, a true opponent, uh, which is what USC had to do after that Washington State game <laughs> in Dante Williams' first game. And that changed a little bit. And then you saw the body language change. So, you know, it's it a positive to see them having fun and out there and, and enjoying themselves. And to see, you know, Caleb Williams running down the sidelines celebrating when Miller Moss connects with Kyle Ford and seeing the defense, you know, excited when, when a guy makes a big hit and seeing those things. Um, but let's not take too much out of it. I'm still going to put the brakes on, pump the brakes on anything to any big takes away yeah. takeaways from from the game. National championship shotgun. What are you talking about? Come on, pump the brakes. <laughs> I'm I'm sure there's some USC fans that are out there like if we just get this this position in the portal and maybe this position, we can win this Pac-12 championship. We can be <laughs> in the playoff. And let's just simmer down a little bit. Utah still a, a big hurdle that USC will have to overcome before that happens. For sure. But I think I think fans pretty you can be pretty confident that uh, this is a team that could definitely win eight or nine games and uh, maybe not win the Pac-12. Anything else stand definitely, out to you? Yeah. Definitely Nicole. heading in the right direction, though. For sure. Uh, offensively, I think it's also yeah. just – oh, sorry. I think it's also just a team that likes each other. Like, it seems like they like each other, which is important when you want to play together to win games. Something I noticed, too, is in the press conference after the games, um, some of the players were already up there and Caleb Williams walked in and kind of hit everyone on the back and was like, what's up guys? And hit every single person on the back that was sitting down there already. So it just shows you that, and Shotgun mentioned it, how he was celebrating when Miller Moss threw that touchdown. Yes, don't get ahead of yourself, but it shows you that if these guys are already so excited and celebrating plays when it, they're happening in a spring game, I'm excited to see how they react when they play well in an actual game. So it's just comforting knowing that these guys like each other because if you don't like each other, you're not going to perform well. So it's good to see that camaraderie building. And Lincoln talks about culture, building that culture. And I think that's exactly what this team is doing. So, yeah. Um, switching over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I know just we weren't really sure what this front was going to look like. Shotgun already mentioned there was a bunch of guys uh, that were out uh, for this game. Uh, but we got to see some, some you know, impressive plays. Uh, you know, I think Shotgun and I talked about it on our, our uh, podcast after the game with Corey Foreman. A guy like Leonard Williams mentions Corey Foreman by, you know, not by name, but by number. Uh, that's pretty impressive. He was like, hey, number zero looks like he's making plays. Now, they, they kind of got him on him on the uh, broadcast because he put his hands on uh, Caleb Williams there. But, you know, I thought Shane Lee was very active, like Suvi Numora. I think you know, he made a bunch of plays out there. Uh, you know, Caleb, uh, Caleb Bullock had an interception called back. 
And uh, we saw some cool plays from Latrell McCutcheon. I know he got burned on that one touchdown, but had a nice like you know hit that they he got called for targeting and tossed out of the game in a in a spring game, which was pretty silly, like of two penalties. But Chris, uh, we'll get, we'll get everyone's thoughts. We'll start with you, Chris, on uh, anything on the defensive side of the ball you want to comment on. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, just kind of the tackling was sort of the big thing that stood out to me. Um, not saying that there weren't any missed tackles because there was at least one, but it just looks so much better to what the product we saw last year with this defense. Just a lot of tackling, a lot of effort, which I know is something as Alex Grinch really hit on this, uh, this spring camp. I feel like every time he talked, he hit on effort, that they love the effort. Even if you're making a mistake, you know, they, they can't really coach up that effort or it's much harder to coach up effort. So if you guys, if you got guys going 110% going the wrong direction, it's much easier to get them in the right direction to, than to build up that effort. So you saw a lot of that 11 hats rallying around, you know, uh, the ball carrier. I, I feel like I sound like a, a cliche football coach talking right now, but you saw that you saw guys rally around the ball. You saw, you saw tackling, you saw guys not afraid to hit. You saw a lot of hitting, you know, with that trail McCutcheon uh, pop there. I think my other big takeaway from the defense was just it seems like the secondary does need a little bit of work. Um, the, the cornerbacks, you know, didn't have a, a great spring outing. But I, I will say Micaiah Blackman, who, you know, drew a lot of praise uh, this camp for being one of the best defenders on the team, arguably the biggest playmaker for the defense. You know, he was out. You know, he had that foot injury that he suffered in the second to final week of camp, and it kept him out. And, you know, a lot of fans wanted to see Micaiah Blackman. I think his presence would have helped settle down that secondary a lot more. You know, you had the two uh, young guys, Prophet Brown and Sierra Wright, uh, taking the majority of those reps, but just really, really thin at that cornerback position. And depth all around kind of seems a little bit thin uh, with that defense. You know, Damani Jackson was out. Josh Jackson, who probably would have played a lot in this game, assuming he was healthy, both those guys were out. So just some depth issues in the secondary. And obviously we're going to talk about it later, but they did bring in some depth, depth help out of the portal today, but yeah, those were kind of the things that stood out to me. Shadi. I think the, the biggest thing and the thing that I'm most excited about out of the entire spring game was seeing Solomon Tuli Alapupu out there. Um, just knowing what he's been through, knowing how long it's been since he's been on the field to see him go through an entirety of spring camp. And, you know, we had a rule, uh, especially on the family few podcasts that we were not going to talk about Solomon Tuli Alapupu until he practiced for a full week. Well, he made it through the whole camp and he played in the game and had a, you know, I think he had a tackle for loss. So it was great to see him back out there. There was a couple other guys like Brandon Peely, um, and Adonis Ote, even Corey Foreman, who, you know, missed the first half of camp. Seeing those guys back out there that have been injured in the past and, and, you know, being able to get back out there, I think that's a big positive. And we'll see where this roster goes from here. I think the other thing that stood out to me on defense is number 53. He was all over the field. Uh, that'd be Shane Lee, the, the middle linebacker from, from Alabama. He's going to have a big impact on this defense because he was just everywhere, and he's going to be a leader in the middle of that defense for them as well. Yeah. How about you, Nicole? Anything you see on the defensive side, down there on the sidelines? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Shane Lee really stood out to me um, as a player out there. I also think Romello Height, he had a great game. Nick Figueroa showed up. They sacked, in quotes. You know, Romello had a sack. Figueroa had a sack. I just think when I've been to practice, Alex Grinch and Dante really bring that energy with those guys. They're screaming at them, yelling at them. And I think it showed in the spring game just kind of how these guys are giving it their all constantly. 
And it's comforting seeing that these guys are playing that hard in a spring game like this. So I think there's a lot of energy on that line. I do agree with Chris, though, that there is some depth issue there. Um, but it is comforting knowing that there are some guys coming in to help fix that. So overall, I'm excited to see Shane Lee's performance, though, throughout the season because I think he's going to be a key role in this defense. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely up there. Raylan Goldforth, I think he's probably the other inside linebacker right now, it looks like. Uh, but a bunch of guys were out there making plays, which was great. There were a bunch of receivers uh, that weren't out there too, right? C.J. Williams, um, Gary Bryant Jr., uh, Michael Jackson the third. Um, so those guys weren't out there. But we saw the the tight ends get involved a little bit more. And Kyron Ware Hudson, uh, he made a whole bunch of plays. I know Chris or Shotgun, you guys were talking about that on Twitter or something. I, think, I don't forget who mentioned it, but yeah, they, he had a big game. Yeah, uh, well, like I guess he only had he had one carry on that reverse, right? And then he had four catches for 36 yards, including a a 24-yarder. Yeah, I mean, he got involved early with the the reverse, and that's something that we'll see if that's something they use in the playbook in the future or if it was just a spring game fun thing to throw in there. But getting him involved, we'd heard the coaches and players talk about how he'd had a really nice spring. He was one of the first guys to get gold-plated as well in the receiver group. And he comes out there and makes some plays. And another guy that was injured for most of his first year last year and, you know, getting an opportunity to, to get out there and play because of some of those other injuries. And, he you know, he showed out. And, you know, Mario Williams had the two touchdowns. Kyle Ford had the lone touchdown catch. But at the most consistent receiver, otherwise, it was Kyron Ware Hudson. I thought he had, you know, the nice catch on the sideline for Miller Moss. He had a nice catch, you know, finding a, a hole in the zone as well. So he did some nice things out there for USC. And, you know, I think it gives you confidence that there's going to be multiple receivers that can make plays for USC instead of last year where it felt like it was Drake London or bust. And when Drake London went down, it was very much bust. Um, so. <laughs> You know, we'll see, you know, if that continues in the fall, you know, Terrell Bynum with the slot fade, you know, he can do some things. They threw a, a wide receiver screen to Brendan Rice. So a lot of guys that you can use in different ways, and that's not even including what you can do with those running backs coming out of the backfield. And when you get somebody like Relique Brown and add him into the mix and what he can do as a receiver too. So, you know, I, I think the receiving core is definitely – way is way above where it was last year as far as just the talent and the diversity of the attack as well. Drake London walking around the sidelines. They could have used him out there, but uh, Mario Williams looks like he's going to do uh, pretty well, but I think they're going to spread it out. You're going to see a bunch of catches from a lot of different guys that won't be throwing to one. Not a lot of special teams in this one. It was basically two halves, uh, 15 minutes. So it's kind of like one half of football. And that's pretty much what Lincoln Riley said. Um, USC, you know, uh, Ben Griffiths is went to the NFL. So losing your punter, uh, they have a punter coming in, uh, in the, in the summer, but they didn't really have a punter there. So the punts didn't look all that great, but for the kicking game, Alex Stadhouse taking over for Parker Lewis last year, Parker Lewis go, you know, Stadhouse goes in the portal. Parker Lewis goes in the portal. Stadhouse comes out of the portal. He's given a scholarship. He's stuck around. He had a 55 yard field goal in this game. Uh, I, just seeing him him come into games last year, what he wasn't ex expected to when he had to come into a game because of Parker Lewis uh, getting a, a personal foul, you know, a targeting call or whatever it was, and getting kicked out of the game. Uh, there was a game that we thought Lewis was going to play, and he just didn't play, and Stathouse had to come in and just get a spot start. Uh, but he performed well every time we saw him. And, you know, he had the one kick in the game. But hitting a 55-yarder that would have been good for longer, I think that's pretty impressive. Our, our resident kicker, Chris, uh, any thoughts? Well, let's shotguns pumping the brakes on the season. Let me pump the brakes on you saying there wasn't a lot of special teams activity. 
because the legend himself, Dennis Lynch, hit a 30-yard <laughs> field goal. That's all I want to say. You know, yeah, Stathouse hit a 55-yarder. Very impressive. And that thing probably would have been good from 60. That's how good it looked. But come on, Dennis Lynch getting in there? I passed out. I had paramedics re revive me, if you're looking on Twitter. But, yeah, two field goals made them both. Yeah, you mentioned the punting game. But are we going to talk about how – I don't know if you guys could see it, but they had a little uh, fan interaction where they had them try to field punts from the jug machine. It was it was terrible. It was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It was, it was so funny. These guys had no spatial awareness. It, they got progressively worse as it went on. If you were if you were in the stands, it was quite a show. I saw Damani Jackson and Rajon Davis just laughing their butts off at these guys trying to like, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, chirping on the message boards like, oh, why can't they do this? And then you see, you get them out there. Can't even feel from a jug machine. So when you have like 30 guys coming at you. So I'm just saying that special teams, there was stuff to talk about. Was was there a, a kicking contest too? Did they have like a fan coming? There was a kick kicking a contest. Yeah, there was a extra point, a uh, twenty-five yarder, and a forty-yarder. I was listening to Alex Stathouse and uh, Jack Sarasante. Did I say that right, Shotgun? I believe that's correct. They were uh, they had it up on the screen. This was like at ten o'clock when no one was there, and they were like, "They're going to have a kicking contest," and they were like, "That's going to be fun." But then they saw there was like a forty-yarder, and. And Stathouse was like, there's no way some <laughs> bum off the streets is going to be able to kick a 40-yarder. I, I He didn't say bum. I said bum. That was that was me paraphrasing. But no way some some rando is going to be able to drill a 40-yarder. I don't even remember when that happened or in the game. I don't know what the results were. I was he probably almost, filming or take. Yeah, he did well. Like, he did well. Okay. And then that 40-yarder, it was like – like he was looking really good. Everyone thought he was going to get it, and then it was just a bust. But did he did he hit like the extra point? Yes. Oh no, wow. he was like actually. I don't know why he was good. Like he was low key good. He was, and then, he was a ringer. Yeah. Well, you see people do those sometimes, and it's like the ball doesn't get off the ground. It goes like four feet, exactly. or people slip when they're trying to kick it. Nicole, like the there was a lot of fan uh, experience stuff going on down there. There was a tables in the end zone of the peristyle land for recruits and stuff, but fans came down to do autographs and everything. What, what did you, what was that experience like? Did fans seem like they were really part of this? Yeah, I thought, you know, they did a great job about really making the spring game an event. I mean, even from the beginning, they had food trucks everywhere. There was this Nike surplus USC sale where, I mean, I bought two shirts for 25 bucks. Like it was blocked with people and then after the game you know you could go onto the field and you could get signatures from players and I think the fans just ate that up like that was a great idea because I think it really let them get involved and this is more than just us watching the players in the you know in the stands it's we get to go on the field and kind of experience it from that level as well and so kids were running up to their favorite players getting autographs on their shirts because they put um t-shirts over a lot of the seating in the in the coliseum and little kids were bringing their shirts to get signatures by their favorite players and i just thought it was a really cool way to kind of make the players and fans interact and engage with each other and i think fans really loved that they got to do that yeah uh and a lot of the people that were there i mean it seems like the fans enjoyed it from what we saw on social media and stuff and on our message boards but there was a lot of recruits uh there we don't have to go through every name and stuff but chris shotgun you want to I'll put you guys up. Mention a couple of guys or anyone, some of the big names you guys saw. I defer to you. <laughs> I mean, Chris was there, so he gets to see them. But uh, the the note, the nugget that stood out the most was uh, Deuce Robinson 
rocking the Shaq jersey. Uh, and that was a, a Lakers Shaq jersey, I assume, when, when Chris said yes, that. Yes, uh, yes, yes. He, he didn't specify, but I assume since he was in L.A. Uh, but that's the big one. He's obviously you know the one of the top tight ends in the country. He's also a really good baseball player, so that would help out the baseball team if that was the case, if he were to come to USC as well. Um, you know, a lot of local kids, a lot of modern day kids and stuff like that. Um, so you, I think the fact that you get someone like Deuce Robinson coming in, but also what I found interesting is because it was a nationally televised game, you have recruits from all over the country that are watching at home. You know, there were a ton of spring games that, that took place uh, yesterday around the country. So when you see someone like Brandon Ennis, five-star receiver in Florida, tweeting about USC and about his guys, I think is the way he phrased it, um, you, you know, that kind of pops out and stands out because it was the one uh, the one game that ESPN was going to televise live. You know, they had a bunch on ESPN Plus as well yesterday, but uh, that one game this spring that they were televising live. So, you know, to see the recruits kind of interact with the fact that they were able to watch it at home, uh, it's just something as well. Yeah. I apologize. My lighting just fell and shotgun did not miss a beat. That's why he's a professional. He was like, I'm going to walk all over that. Didn't even phase him. So shotgun just hands off to you. But yeah, like you said, a lot of local guys there. Roger Robinson was there. Quentin Joyner, the new Texas uh, 2023 commit uh, running back. He was there. The new, new 2023 Texas running back commit, Marion Peterson. He was there. DeAndre Carter, uh, the modern-day four-star offensive lineman in the 2024 class. He was there. And, yes, Deuce was rocking that super cool Shaq L.A. Lakers jersey. It would have been uh, kind of funny if he showed up with a Shaq uh, Phoenix Suns jersey. But, no, he had to rep the uh, the L.A. brand uh, here. And then they brought all the recruits onto the field with about two minutes left. They, they put them into the back of the end zone. And then when the game was over, they had them all uh, go to the middle – and kind of just interact with the team and the coaches at at the 50-yard line, which I thought was cool. And, yeah, I saw Zach, uh, Zach Hansen, the tight ends coach. He was he was tied to the hip of that Mr. Deuce Robinson and his family. Uh, just And Deuce, obviously, almost as tall as the 6'8", uh, Zach Hansen. So that was one of the things that stood out to me, uh, just getting all the recruits on the field, letting them interact with the team and the coaches after the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, Deuce Robinson is – uh, I think Zach Hansen is the only coach in America that cannot make him look huge. Uh, you know, not look at, make him look as huge as he already is. Deuce Robinson out there at six, six, five, six, six, I believe he is. So he was still shorter than Zach Hansen, uh, but also some of the younger recruits. Um, and one of them picks up an eighth grader picks up a, uh, a offer from USC. And those are some big old boys that came w with big Dave and, you know, their, their collective that they have there, big Dave, Ungalele, um, and, you know, the, the group that he works with. So, you know, USC getting the, the local guys that are big bodies, that's super important because there's few and far between on the West coast, but getting guys like Deandre Carter there and, you know, looking at players like, uh, like, uh, I think it's Tum Tum is, is his nickname. The eighth grader that got the the offer from USC yesterday, um, and you know he's a kid that's already got that size as well. So on the defensive side, so really good to see them going out and finding some of those big bodies locally and getting them there. Chris, you mentioned and, uh, we'll put his picture up. Uh, Marion Peterson, you want to give a quick rundown of who USC's latest commitment is? Yeah, a three-star running back out of uh, Wichita Falls, uh, Texas. You know, he joins Quentin Joyner as the two running backs in the class. That's right now all uh, offensive players. He's a three-star prospect. 
I believe he's the number 19 running back by our rankings, 24-7 sports. He's listed at six foot one, 205 pounds. Looks like he also plays a little linebacker. Is a track guy, runs about a, a 23-14, 23-19, 200 times. So has some track, track speed, ran for about 1,800 yards uh, as a junior last season, 31 touchdowns. So a really nice pickup. You know, they're kind of similar in that in that that regard. I think he's a little bit of a better pass catcher than than Joyner, who um, you know doesn't have as many catches as in his career uh, as Peterson. But yeah, he committed uh, this morning. Super low key about it. Put it on a uh, Instagram page that is private, so it's a little bit harder to get it out there. It hasn't even tweeted about it, so kind of a low key uh, commitment there. And uh, Coach Kyle McDonald, you know, he threw up. The, he threw up three uh, fight on emojis this morning, which, you know, kind of alerts us that, hey, you know, running backs are coming. Uh, I know we've talked about it probably on our on my podcast with Gerard, you know, two-star podcast. Got to plug it as always. Yeah. We talked about the running back class for 2023. You know, they need at least two running backs. Shotgun, I don't even know remember the last time they had two running backs in the class. It's been a running joke for the last several cycles that they keep trying to get two only end up, ever end up with really one. Um, so, you know, they might even take three. I think that's a real possibility. Uh, you know, obviously, Roger Robinson, they big bully back out of San Diego. You'd want to keep a local kid like that home. He was at the game, as I mentioned. So, you know, you could obviously see three running backs in this class. So not sure if they're done yet, but it's a really good start, obviously, because running back recruiting has been a a, uh, a struggle for them under the recent uh, uh, cycles. Um, and quickly, I did want to throw out that there was a couple transfer portal targets that were at the game. Eric okay. Gentry, the freshman All-American edge rusher from Arizona State, he was there, six foot six, legit. And then Casey Rogers, the the big Nebraska defensive lineman, you know, he took his unofficial his official visit to USC this uh, this weekend, which is pretty fast because I believe he got offered on Thursday. So yeah. pretty quick moving there. <laughs> uh, he posted some photos. Uh, I think it looked like they did like a street street shoot with him walking the baseball jersey. So pretty cool there. So yeah, those guys were on campus. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's going to be a fast and furious portal run here uh, going the final, what, like week until uh, until Sunday. Yeah, so spring games are ending. There were six spring games over the weekend from just in the Pac-12 alone. So there's still a couple more left. UCLA still has another. They had they were kind of they didn't really do a game, but they still have a few practices left. But their televised spring practice was over the weekend. Uh, they popped a whole bunch of them into one weekend here in the Pac-12. But like Chris mentioned, and I mentioned at the top of the show, the NCAA tra- the NCAA transfer portal deadline to be able to be eligible to play in the 2022 season is May 1st. So you have to have entered the portal by the beginning of May, if you want to be able to play, you don't have to pick the school. I think I talked about that last week, a little confusing, but you don't have to pick your school. You just have to be in the portal. Um, and so we're going to see a bunch of guys enter the portal and then start committing to places. Um, you know, Chris mentioned a couple of them and there's, you know, he wasn't there at the game, but uh, his dad tweeted this out this morning. Uh, Bryson Shaw, uh, the the defensive back from Ohio State, who started, I think started 11 or 12 of the games. Uh, last year, 12 games. Yeah. Uh, picked uh, USC. So, I, I, you know, one of those things, any guy, any information on, uh, on Shaw? I haven't got a chance to, to look up his film yet. Um, I was watching my Hawks get destroyed in, in the playoffs. So I didn't get a chance to, to look at some things before the, before the show, but 
the the fact that he started 12 games at, at Ohio State is a positive. So he has some experience in big-time football. He was third on their team. I believe it was 59 tackles. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll get a chance to, to break down some of the, the footage of the of Ohio State and, you know, look and see what kind of player USC is getting there. But a fact that you're getting a guy that has played somewhere else, has experience and has, you know, has made tackles and stuff is, is a positive sign rather than someone who's a developmental player or someone that's, you know, that's not going to compete initially. And I think that's one of the things. I know Nick Saban says this, they don't bring a transfer in unless they think he can start. And I think that's what USC is kind of looking for. I know they're trying to build the depth of the roster a little bit as well, but I think now the second half where you've already added, you know, 10, 12 guys during the, the off season. Now I think you're looking, all right, we're looking to bring in guys that can add not only depth, but can compete for starting roles. And maybe that's something you're looking for in Bryson Shaw. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all the newsy stuff that I wanted to get to. I Go ahead, Chris. I want to say you both are bearing the lead on this. Oh. He is from the great oh, state geez. of Maryland. Holy. Maryland. Another another DMV boy on the roster. That's now four DMV uh, natives on the roster with Colin Mobley. Of course, Caleb Williams, Shane Lee. He is not a PG County Beach boy, unfortunately, but he is a DMV native. So uh, I just need to get that in there. And now uh, you can cut off my mic. For the more important, <laughs> Chris, if you're going to bring up the DMV, you're going to bring up uh, that area, you got to give us an update on Nichols Harbor. Obviously, he came out here and visited. He puts out a documentary-style thing. Um, what's what's kind of the update on Nichols Harbor? Because everyone wants to know about a guy that's a monster at 6'4", 6'5", and running this, the 100-yard, uh, the 100-meter dash the way he's running it. Again, shotgun, just a – Truly professional uh, transition there, just effortlessly. You didn't even plan that. You just thought of that. But, yeah, he put out that that documentary. About, it's about a little under an hour, I believe. You should go watch it. Um, it's on our board right now. But really well made, you know, pretty fun to watch. Most of the documentary, the vlog style of it, is uh, based in L.A. You know, those conversations he had there with uh, Caleb Williams in there. You get a nice little insight into what those two talked about, just about, you know, Caleb telling him that he he really loves living out here and how different it is from DMV in terms of the weather, obviously. But, you know, at the end of the video, it kind of listed that Michigan and USC are his top two schools right now. And, you know, that seems to be a little bit up for debate right now because uh, Nicholas did come out uh, a, a, like a couple hours before this and said, you know, I haven't narrowed down anything, uh, something along those lines. Of, You'll, I'll be the first to say when you hear from me, which is a little interesting. It just seems like maybe there was some sort of maybe confusion uh, with that statement at the end of the documentary, I guess it's not considered like a top two, like a top finalist or anything like that. Um, so maybe he's just putting it out there like right now, these are the top schools on my on my list right now. I guess it's not really an official top two in that regard. So I know LSU is still in the pic picture there uh, per the documentary. So but as we expected, USC did a good job of, you know, selling itself and sort of getting uh, moving up in his radar, obviously Lincoln Riley already had a previous relationship with him when he was at Oklahoma. They were considered warm for him uh, when Lincoln was at Oklahoma. So it seemed like a natural transition that he would be, uh, USC would be a contender uh, once uh, Lincoln came out West, obviously with the track program. A lot of things, you know, he, he certainly seems to have a personality that fits LA. And, you know, with NIL, he is a marketable 
uh, athletes. So I think that also helps uh, with the Trojans in that regard. So USC trending in the right direction uh, for Harvard, but obviously still a lot of work to be done with a dynamic athlete who is going to get a lot of attention for this recruiting cycle and a lot of, I guess, NIL pitches uh, throughout uh, you know, the rest of his senior year. And as we, as we know, NIL, the new factor you have to, to throw in there when you're, when you're talking about these high-end five-star recruits. Nice. I think I, I just figured out, I think I have like a mute buttons. Let me see if I can. Hey, Chris, what do you, tell me about the, uh, tell me about Maryland. Yes. Ah, Perfect. Maryland was founded <laughs> in the. the uh, I, can t- I can turn them off again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, you know, playing with this, uh, these remote buttons and stuff. So that's good. Uh, it's good to know. Uh, re- Real quick, Ryan, to answer Chris's question about the last time USC had multiple running backs in a class, you have to go all the way back to the Texas two-step. You know, Ronald Jones and Alka Cedric Ware, Ah. I believe that's 2015. But if you remember, there was actually three running backs in that class. Can anybody name the third one? Is it a local player? Like a California guy? He was a California guy. There was two Texas guys. It's not I'm all right you guys name. didn't answer it right away <laughs> so we're going to come back to this we're going to see if anyone gets it in I the comments section okay. as well uh without looking it up can you think who was the other running back in that i believe it was 2015 class along with ronald jones and aka cedric Ware? okay yes can i just throw it out right now or should i say you it? got it i have a guess can i just throw it out or should i say go it? for give it get, give you a guess justin davis who justin davis no, it's not Justin. Did. Justin Davis was a year or two older than both of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He came in uh, with, uh, yeah. What's it? I think that was twenty thirteen or fourteen or something. I think he came in with uh, Paul. With uh, Paul, what was the the running back coach name? Um, Paulie. Well, I can blank on his name. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay. We got a bunch of questions. We'll try to get to, and we'll try to go through these fairly quickly. We don't want to take. Too long, but Nicole, what do we got up top? All right. Yes, we got a lot of them. So Roman388 says, why isn't McCutcheon gold-plated? Uh, we got we to leave that to Chris Trevino, who's the gold-plated Yeah, Chris uh, is the, the king. I mean, I guess I don't really have, like, a definite answer, but as we have mentioned, you know, you know, you get gold-plated nominated because your coach thinks you're you're doing – you know, good work. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that he's not doing good work, but I guess they haven't seen what it, what the, you know, the marks are to be nominated to be a gold-plated Trojan. Yeah. Um, I was curious to see if there were any and like, you know, he's, could be the starter. He played right? a lot. He played a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is, that is kind of interesting. And sometimes it's one of those things, like if you're, you know, your kids on the, the Little League team, you're the coach or the umpire, you might be a little tougher on him, so you know, I mean, coming from Oklahoma, maybe that's the case. Uh, we'll see, but I would I wouldn't worry too much about that. There, I mean, this seems to be it seems to be working pretty well for whatever they're doing, gold plated wise. And I think by the the season, he will be a gold plated uh, person. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All what right. We got, we got next. All right. Anthony Holloway, Chris, you had said that cornerbacks need some bodies after a lackluster performance, but is it the corners or the scheme? Uh, interesting question. I don't. I don't think it's the scheme. I just think, you know, those are two young players. And we haven't even gotten to see Makai Blackman truly play a game or any sort of, like, football situations other than, you know, individual drills and practice. So, like I said, I think Blackman playing would have done a lot of confidence building with that with that unit. It is a super young unit. You have to remember that. Latrell McCutcheon was brought in to be a cornerback, but he has since shifted to safety. So that left a big hole with that group. Damani Jackson, you haven't seen. Josh Jackson Jr., who I said, you know, probably would have been the other starter for most of camp, given his experience and sort of his play starting back from last spring, probably would have been considered. Um, but again, those are two super young guys in Sierra Wright and Prophet Brown, who hasn't been a full-time cornerback uh, since last season, his freshman year. So I think there's still a lot of development that needs to be done in a super young position group. Yep. Let me jump on that. And Andrew Hogue has asked a couple of questions. Is the secondary that bad? Or is the QB wide receiver combo that good? Do you think that the defense will be able to hold a 21-point lead? This is why I say don't make any big judgments about a spring game. Those two guys may not be on the too deep in the fall. You've got you. That's why you got to look at the positions individually and say, okay, this position group is really beat up. Okay, the guys going against them are starters on the other side. Yeah, usually your starter is going to beat up on the the you know second year guy that's at the bottom of the depth chart, you know, working his way up. You know, and now granted, Prophet Brown got a start at the very end of the season, and that's good for him. But he's a developmental guy that played as much running back as he did quarterback coming in. And that's what everyone kind of thought he was. So he's got some room to continue to grow. And the same thing with Sierra Wright. You heard the comments from Dante Williams a couple uh, weeks ago. So don't put too much stock into, hey, the passing game is elite or, hey, the cornerbacks are absolutely terrible. If you, if you have Makai Blackman out there, you have Damani Jackson out there, you have the next guy that they bring in the transfer portal, who I think they'll go out and get another cornerback, then it'll be maybe completely different. If you have Joshua Jackson out there, who's been made some plays in the past as well, you know, it's completely different. And hey, if someone's having a rough day for whatever reason, you might switch somebody else in there and you might not see the touchdowns that you saw in this game. So don't make any big judgments off of a spring game. This is a common refrain every single year. Don't do it. 
All right. So big judgments out of spring game. Got it. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Perfect. Ryan, um, and then one, the next time oh, they sorry, hire some, next time they hire someone, Ryan, we'll make sure that he has all USC ties, knows the fight song. Yes. That's, that's exactly what you wanted, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what we should do. <laughs> What's up next, Nicole? Um, one blue love twenty three. We kind of touched on this earlier, but they're asking to give um them a Corey Foreman impression. They haven't rewatched the game, but didn't see much of Foreman besides that tackle for lost play. Yeah, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, Shotgun and I talked about this on the podcast. Like I mentioned, like when Leonard Williams was being interviewed and mentions him, I like number zero. A guy, a guy like that who's played the position, who's played at that school, he knows what he's looking for out there. If he's watching the game, he's probably not watching the ball. He's probably watching what the defensive linemen are doing. And if Corey Foreman stood out to him, I think that's a, a pretty big endorsement. And he just seemed very active out there. Uh, you mentioned, I think Nicole mentioned Romello Height got a sack. We saw Nick Figueroa making some plays. Um, yeah, I think they were, it seemed like they were attacking. But the fact that he was out there and contributing after missing the first five or so practices of spring, with that dislocated knee, I believe it was. Um, everything we've heard from, uh, you know, from uh, Sean Nua and just the, the coaches talking about his progress. I mean, there was one practice, I think it was uh, Roy, I think it was Roy, like, um, with, what, one of the coaches we talked to was like, all he did was talk about uh, Corey Foreman, like the entire, <laughs> the entire interview. So, the, I mean, I think he's definitely making an impact. And you want a guy like that. He missed his senior year. Didn't really do a whole lot last year. Wasn't available all that much. Um, so I think there was definitely some positives to take away from that. I don't know what you guys think. but Yeah, we're watching the ball. We're trying to see what this offense looks like. Trying to see what the linebackers look like. I, I didn't focus on the defensive line, I don't think, once in the game. Uh, and that's why I record it, to go back and be able to watch it and watch every different position two or three times. But Leonard Williams is going to be watching the defensive line. He wants to go, okay. Who's one? Who's wearing my number ninety four? Is anyone out there in my ninety four? That guy better be good. Um, but then also he's like, okay, who's the next guy? You know, they had Drake Jackson last year. Who's the next guy? And he's looking around and he was asked, you know, what do you think of the talent? And he goes, I like number zero. I don't know who he, I don't know his name, but I like him. And that's a positive sign because if you're getting Leonard Williams endorsement, and that's a that's a hefty one. That carries a lot of weight around uh, the Coliseum. So uh, I think that's a positive sign. The fact that he was dropping into coverage, he was out, uh, you know, outside on a screen pass. He was running down the play. The effort he was giving, I thought was really good. You know, him showing up to make tackles at the end of a play. You know, I think that's a positive sign as well with the frustrations that there were with, uh, with Corey Foreman and him not getting the playing time that he wanted last year. All right. What do we got next, Nicole? All right. Mark Watkins, we talked about culture earlier, but he's asking, do you think the new culture will hold up if slash when adversity hits and they lose a game or two this season? Yeah, I think this coaching staff and this culture that they're they're building is built to go through adversity. I think any culture you do in college football has to be built that way. And Miller Moss has mentioned this several times that they feel confident about this culture is because Lincoln Riley and the staff has brought over a culture playbook, if you will, that sort of has set them up and given them a blueprint of how to do things. Um, and, you know, it's so much easier, especially when you're talking about, you know, college kids, you know, if you have a blueprint like that, it makes it much easier to follow, much much easier to get involved. And it obviously gives them a little more confidence when they're they're following a blueprint that has proven success that Lincoln had with with when he was at Oklahoma. 
All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, the culture is a huge, obviously a huge part of this. The confidence, the accountability, everything you've seen from what the players have said, the way they've acted, you can tell this is a, it's a different, it's just the program's different right now than it was a year ago. Like there's no question about it. The fact that you have your leader, Caleb Williams, has already stepped into that leadership role. The fact that he's the superstar, but he's also doing things for his teammates, doing for things for people around the team. Does he's not he's not coming in as an outsider and has all this talent. He's a prima donna or anything. You know, he's very humble to everyone around him. Uh, loves to have fun, but everyone gravitates towards him, and he's doing things for the rest of his teammates. Um, and I think you know, given the beats out and everything like that, I think that's only. You know, it's only a sign of, of progress for the leadership on this team when last year, you know, we knew that there were factions in the locker room and, you know, a group over here and a group over here. And, and what Nicole said at the very beginning of the show, it seems like everyone is there for each other. All right. Kind of going off of that, guys, um, Sagar Patel asked, how would each of you grade overall effort on both sides of the ball for the spring game? I think that's a question for, for Chris and Nicole since they were down there on the field. Yeah, what do you guys think? We're talking. Are we talking like grades of a hundred? Are we talking letter grades? What are we talking? We can get the letter grade. Let's do Chris. A letter just grade. answer it in your own way. I, I deflect. <laughs> okay, it's going to be a three-part answer oh, uh, nice. using emojis. Um, no, I think I think the effort for the defense is what stood out, just because you know we've seen that be an issue in the past. So using letter grades, I would give it. Uh, I'd give it an A. Um, you know, it's really hard to. It's not like you can really track effort like that in terms of like a numerical value or anything, but I thought it was, I thought it was an A. Um, and then I would say A on both sides, you know, even though it's more noticeable when you're talking about a defense. I would agree with that. I think, I definitely think, you know, like Chris said, defense, you see it more right away. Um, I would give A's too, but not A's of like, performance A's more of the energy was there but there can always be more you know what I mean so maybe an A minus because I feel like there can always be more but I agree that defense you see that right away with the effort so that's what I would say shotgun tell us why it's a D come on yeah or an F <laughs> did they fail yeah, pump, give, give it, give, the yeah. pump the brakes yeah, hey, you good. can you can be excited about effort. Um, you know that's something where that shows through. And I think Ryan, I mean, uh, I think Chris made a good point. You don't necessarily notice effort and say, yeah. you know, you point it out every time, but you notice when someone doesn't have effort, and that's not something that you that you saw at all yesterday. You didn't see any loafs. You didn't. I don't know if on the sidelines you guys heard any coach yelling at a player for not getting over. I think. And one, it's a spring game and everyone's excited. It's a little different when it's game seven of a season and you haven't had a bye week yet or something. That could be a little bit different. You know, you got finals coming up or whatever it may be. Um, but for the spring game, you know, the energy was definitely there. You know, that's what I, I could feel the energy coming through the screen, you know, watching it from a distance. I'm sure you guys could on the sideline. The energy, you know, seemed around not only on the field, but in the stands and stuff, the fact that you did have the largest crowd they've had, you know, the fact that like Matt Liner saying, hey, we didn't get those crowds. Where, where was this at when we were around? Um, I, I think the energy is definitely there and the excitement, and they have to build on it. You know, that's definitely the, the case still. But I, I think that you didn't see guys, you know, everyone wanted to go make a play. You see, in, you know, Corey Foreman running from 
you know, back, backpedaling and being 12 yards deep and then flying up to try to make a, uh, a tackle. Those type of things it did stand out a little bit more, and you didn't see anybody just loafing around, not not trying to make plays. Do you want to take like five minutes to talk about uh, spring game attendance sizes? Do you want to, do you just want to go on a little rant there? <laughs> I think it's a taste on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but comparing comparing USC to what they've done in the past, I think that tells you the excitement level of the fans yeah. right now, and that they wanted to come out and see this. And I'm sure the pandemic had something to do with it as well. You know, just the opportunity to be out there on a beautiful day, uh, comparing it to another school, whether it be another Pac-12 school, whether it be UCLA, and the fact that they didn't even have a true spring game, or comparing it to Oregon or Oklahoma or any other school, is dumb. Yeah, it's different. I mean. You, Matt Liner talked about this when you know they would get like fifteen thousand people maybe for those spring games. And Sean Cody mentioned it on the broadcast. They used to have like the in and out food trucks. They used to call it the Trojan Huddle. It was just sort of like this kind of campy thing. They would have the same kind. They would sell some merchandise out there. In and out trucks would be there. Everyone would get like a you got like a I think it was ten bucks. You got like a coupon for In and Out Burger, and it was just sort of like a thing you did. It was it wasn't like going to be a big deal. It's not going to be like Nebraska where you're going to fill the stadium for the spring game. But even when they were winning championships, they would get 10, 15,000 people to go to the spring game. The fact that they had over 30,000 people there, um, you know, it was free, but still it was, a, I, I think that was a big deal. And it just shows that there was this, it's been six or seven years of fans just not being excited about the program. You know, there've been some exciting moments, but they weren't really excited with the direction it was going. And so, yeah, you don't compare the numbers, but just what has USC done in the past? They never get a whole bunch of people to go to a spring game. Like there was a, the Festival of Books, the LA Times Festival of Books was across the street that had like 75,000 people at it. There's always a zillion things going on in Los Angeles, but a lot of people came. And I think that's what's, that, that's the takeaway you want to take out of this. Um, Dan D asks, what Trojan leads the team out of the tunnel for the opener? Do you guys think? Ooh. So who's been around? So former players, uh, what they're talking about. So we've seen, you know, Leinart's been there. He was there. The, you know, Sean Cody's part of it. Sua Cravens is part of it. Um, Sanchez has been around Mark a Mark Sanchez has been around a bunch. Uh, Matt Barkley probably can't because he'll be with the Bills. Uh, but he's been around. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you Ronnie Lott was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you can kind of have your pick. I don't know. I'm not sure who they're going to. Banner? Zach Banner. Is he might be a, he'll probably be in camp with someone. Yeah, if he's um, on a the, team. The, the real question is, is that a tradition they even continue? Yeah. You know, Lincoln Riley's coming in, bringing a whole new vibe. Is that something that that's something they want to continue doing? And if so, do they try to go with someone they haven't had in the past? Or do you just try to, you know, go to the greats? Because Lincoln Riley hasn't been there for these guys. So, you know, I think it'll be a little bit different. I believe. Ryan, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that was a Steve Sarkeesian thing, wasn't it? Wasn't I, I that kinda, when it started? I kind of And he wanted to bring so. kind of the, the allure of the celebrities because it wasn't just former players. He brought out Will Ferrell, and he had some other guys as well coming out, uh, leading the – Jock Peterson, I remember, came out and let him out of the tunnel. So it hasn't always been just players. Now, Jock Peterson was a former USC commit for baseball, and Will Ferrell did go to USC, so there's connections, but not necessarily former players and legends. The fact that the athletic department is really kind of embracing the whole entertainment aspect of it, there might be a celebrity factor to it. You know, maybe it's LeBron James or something like, you know, maybe some, you know, someone local. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. 
everyone wants it to be Reggie Bush, but let's not do that for the first game. If you're going to bring Reggie out at any time during the season, make it with the biggest game of the year or rivalry game or something like that. And he's working game days now anyway, so it would have to be a game that he's working. Big games, rivalry. Yeah, exactly. A Fox game that they would do, yeah. Um, Cam Lifestyle says, overall, how do you think the linebackers played yesterday? We touched on this earlier, but it still looks like there were gaps out there in the defense. There's a couple questions about defensive tackles and defense and stuff like that. You would jump in, Chris, or? Yeah, I thought the linebackers were were good. We're fine. I had nothing like like that was just like blew me away or anything. And again, you're just kind of comparing it to what we saw last year, where the linebackers look a little slow, just a touch too too late at times. You know, couldn't wrap up couldn't tackle, couldn't make the play. Um, there were a couple plays made by the linebackers, but nothing, you know, over the top. I think you were you were okay with just seeing them be, you know, much more consistent than you saw last season. I think that's a big step forward. You know, Brian Odom kind of mentioned in his introductory press work, introductory presser with the media that, you know, they, they have a long way to go. And, you know, just from what he inherited and kind of added with Shane Lee, I think they've done a really good job uh, so far, Shane and Raylan are obviously those those top guys right now. Raylan seems to have that he's come a long way. Seems like he's taking on a leadership role just kind of off the field. I watched him go up to all the defensive backs and kind of like uh, dap them up and kind of say, you know, let's do. We're playing a little. We're playing a little stiff right now. Let's loosen up. Uh, we 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 play this offense all the time in practice. We know what we do. So you know, little things like that. So you want to see, and that's probably also an effect of of Shane Lee. Uh, and in his uh, leadership and kind of rubbing off on Raylan. So I think they were they were fine. Uh, still room to grow. Still a lot of more plays that can be made. But, you know, when you're comparing it to last season, I thought they were, you know, it was a good job. Uh, we're at the top of the hour. Um, this is all remote and everything. We can kind of wrap this up pretty soon. But uh, do we have a bunch more, Nicole? We can kind of go some rapid fire. Yeah, I was about to say, should we do some rapid fire? Sure, perfect. All right, rapid fire, guys. Rapid fire, got it? All right. Yeah, so, good luck with that, yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting question. Andrew Hogue says, who will have a better statistical season when 2022-23 closes? JT Daniels, Jackson Dart, Keaton Slovis, or Caleb Williams? I think the easy answer is Caleb Williams because yeah. he knows the offense while all those other guys are going into a new offense. Um, maybe JT Daniels, if he you know reconnects with, with Graham Harrell, maybe he knows the offense a little bit, but I still think Caleb Williams has more weapons. 100%. All right. I would say right. if we're not picking Caleb, I would say Jackson Dart would be my second pick just with that. He like, didn't have a good he, spring game. He was like seven of twenty-four, say, two picks. If he wins the job, I mean that's that's the other yeah. Sure, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Guys, there are a couple questions about transfer portal, transfers, things like that. Ballpark, Andrew Hogue is asking, as well as Gonja Gorilla. Um how many new transfers do you think SC pulls before fall and which position group do we recruit the hardest from the portal? Yeah, it's look the at, easiest it's the, the easiest digits, answer right? yeah, <laughs> is is to to look at what they've already told us. And Lincoln Riley has said multiple times we're going to go get, you know, 10 to 12 to 15, you know, depending on if they have some guys leave the pro, the to leave the uh, team as well and you listen to Alex Grinch or you listen to Lincoln Riley, you listen to any of the coaches, they'll say, well, we could add someone pretty much anywhere uh, because they're looking, you know, they think that they can still, 
you know, they, they could use someone at every single position is what they still feel. Yeah. I think the hardest positions they'll go after are obviously the line on both sides of the ball, just because those are premier positions in the portal. And, you know, they haven't really landed any since that first little wave with Haskins, Barquette and uh, Teleni. So they got to, they got to dip in there for some impact guys. Speaking of the portal, Johnny Laro asked, are there any revelings of Trojans entering the portal? They like the chemistry the team has right now. Yeah, I think the the low-hanging fruit sort of left. And then I think there was some people that are just kind of waiting to see where they would be on the depth chart and how the spring went. Um, but no one's really, you know, when, when Dante Williams sort of called out Sierra, right, and said, you know, he was his biggest issue, his, you know, his biggest problem is Sierra. Uh, the fact that he got gold-plated and he came back and, and Dante Williams sort of backed off some of the things he said, uh, that's a positive. Like Things like that are what you wanted to watch for. But outside of that, I didn't see anyone that's just like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to the portal. I don't know if you guys noticed anyone, but uh, we'll see. There, there'll probably be a couple guys, but um, for the most part, I think they sort of did the, a lot of the weeding out already. I think there were still I mean, some guys that were on a trial period, basically, during the the – the spring and you know they'll look at all the tape and assess and then had they Lincoln Riley you could overhear him on the broadcast saying you know we'll have our team meetings next week so I think the coaching staff probably spent this week going over all the tape and saying all right do we need to tell some guys we think you're you're not going to get any playing time here maybe it's best you look elsewhere yeah John going to ask is USC still going to recruit Roderick Robinson yes all right. <laughs> Love he's that. Big, that was he's, awesome. He's the big, yeah, the big uh, running back from San Diego. Chris talked about him earlier that, you know, you got two running backs coming already, but he's someone you could definitely bring. You still bring need a thing. big boy. You still yeah. need a big boy. Yeah. All right. Um, back to offensive line, defensive line. Tyrese asked, how well did you guys think the offensive line did as opposed to the defensive line in the spring game? Shotgun, you touched on how that stood out to you earlier. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the offensive line was in sync. Jalen McKenzie, the you know former USC offensive lineman, mentioned that as well. Um, you know that they you know that they were in, as in sync as the boy band in sync. So uh, I take that to be probably positive there until the breakup of in sync. We didn't see the offensive line break up, but you know it was fun to see them and see how much they were moving. And by moving, I mean pulling. You know, traps, different things like that. Uh, seeing the very first play, you see Cortland Ford and Andrew Voorhees both pulling from the left side, leading the way with Justin Didis getting to the second level as well. And you get like a, I think it was a 12, something like a 12, 8, 12 yard run, something like that for, for Travis Dye. Uh, but it was fun to see those guys getting out in space and seeing what they could do. A little bit different, uh, you know, asking them to do something a little bit different, but we'll see how they continue to progress with it. And it was the first time we really got to see it in action. Yeah. They were they were hot on Saturday, maybe around ninety eight degrees. Any anyone? No, I really didn't have anything to add. I just wanted to make that joke. Uh, so so I didn't get muted, right? Everyone heard that. No, you yeah, and it was weird though because okay, okay. a lot of a lot of those offensive linemen were veteran. They weren't like the new kids on the block or anything. So oh right yeah. right 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 yeah, it was a real it was a big big day for the O line, more like O town, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anymore. Speaking of <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the O line and D line, Stephen Rarig asked who from the second team O line and D line was most impressive. One word I answers. Thought, 
I thought she was gonna keep it going with something, but no. Uh, no, Mason Murphy. I, I didn't Mason, have Murph Mason Murphy is my answer. <laughs> no, yeah. no one had a Backstreet Boys. Uh, I didn't. Uh, oh, I didn't there. Think about that one. Um, I, I thought uh, Gino Quinones' block blowing up. I think it was it was one of the DBs blowing up one of the DBs. That was probably the biggest play that stood out. Um, but then on the the second team defensive line, uh, Solomon Tulele Popo again. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Randy Segovia, for people who don't know, um, he's asking what happened to Gary Bryant? Yeah, that Tuesday Coliseum practice, we just saw him uh, on the cart leaving practice. He was grabbing his his calf area. You know, it seemed like a, you know, a soft tissue injury, muscle injury, you know, those kind of things he's battled in the past. He was limping pretty hard that week. He came back the final week, looked like he was on, you know, track to maybe play, but Obviously, did not did not get the the green light to go ahead and uh get some action. Yeah. Okay, Honey Badger says, "Do y'all think Domani will play this year?" Yes. Yeah, they all Boom. talked. I mean, just the fact that he could do individual drills. Chris put a video up. You can yeah. watch some of that. Um, he he just brings some unique athleticism to the position. So I think he'll play. Speed, speed. They need speed. speed He's helps. got speed. I think I think it'll be very similar to Adoree or um, Biggie or Jack Jones. You know, the five-star cornerback comes in, doesn't start necessarily, but you see him get a couple series every game, and then how he progresses from that is up to him. Yeah. All right. Cam Lifestyle says, how do you guys feel John Jackson III is doing? She always thought he could ball. Will he get playing time this year? He balled. He got playing time on Saturday, and I think he will because they're going to play eight to ten guys, and that's all they have right now. So um, the fact that I know they have a couple guys out, but he he'll catch some balls. I think. I mean, he he showed it out there. All right, Dan. Been, been a bit, oh, sorry, Chris. I just want to say I've just been a big JJ uh, three since like two years ago. I've always said you know he needs to play more. He's a good route run route runner, dependable hands. He's not a burner. He's not the biggest, but he comes up with catches, and that's what you need at the position, obviously. So yeah. I do think he's going to play because you know, we got involved on a Saturday. That was good to see. And obviously, like you said, bigger rotation, a lot more guys coming in and out. So he's going to have opportunity. Dan D's asking, how did Rajon Davis do yesterday? I didn't really notice him. Did you guys? Yeah, I, de I defer to Chris on this one if you noticed anything because I didn't see him. He didn't pop on uh, on the broadcast version. Yeah, it was someone I didn't really notice outside of I saw him laughing with Damani Jackson during the halftime. But, you know, it seemed like he was also dealing with some sort of injury early in the week. I noticed that on Tuesday he was not practicing. Um, he was uh, standing off to the side in full pads watching warm-up. So it looked like he was going through something. Did a little bit more practice on Thursday. So I don't really know where he was health-wise and how much maybe they were limiting him. Yeah. Um, Touchdown USC asks, how why was Herb Street a no-show for ESPN? We were talking about this earlier. We don't really know, but do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no idea. I mean, it was the, the important know. thing is <laughs> it was a big production on ESPN. It was the only one that you know that they did. They put a lot of uh they put a lot of emphasis on it and uh yeah, it was good. I mean, they interviewed Caleb Williams, I think, five times during the broadcast. So, yeah. uh, I mean, they had the Pete Thamel sit down uh, with with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. I mean, it was a big – it was a, basically a huge showcase for USC. So, he couldn't have asked for anything 
more than that. What does that mean? It's just USC is nationally relevant. Without they went four and eight last year, but they're because you hire Lincoln Riley, you got Caleb Williams, you got all these transfers in. You're a nationally relevant program again, which USC hasn't been for a while. I'm sure you won't return my call, so I can't get the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Shut. Um, Megan Gawkroger. Oh, question from down under. I was supposed to say that in my accent, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, Sorry, Chris. Okay, she's saying, can you explain just quickly what the transfer portal is, what it's used for, for the Aussie who has no clue? I feel like it's important we let her know. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really no different. It's basically just a database. So, what they it all it does is it allows players to be able to be uh, recruited. Kind of, it's supposed to streamline the process. So, if you're a player at a school and you want to leave, you talk to your compliance officer and say, "Hey, I want to put my name into the transfer portal." Once you put your name in the transfer portal, you basically are giving up your scholarship at the school that you're at. Now, you could come back if the school lets you, but if the school doesn't want you back, you you basically lost your scholarship. But once you go into the portal, you are now legally allowed to be recruited by other schools. So if if someone from USC goes in the transfer portal and Nick Saban, as soon as he goes in the portal, Nick Saban can call him and be like, hey, Joe, do you want to come and play at Alabama? You can come take an official visit. So it's kind of starts your recruiting process again. And the recruiting process is much faster that you know it could be over years if you're in a high school in the transfer portal it could be minutes or hours or days or weeks uh we see players go to the portal and really not find a spot they left the power five program maybe they can only go to a group of five uh we've seen some high profile guys go in and you know from one blue blood to another and win a heisman trophy so it's there's a lot going on but basically it's just a database if you want to be able to transfer anyone that's in that database can be recruited legally otherwise you can't I sh you shouldn't call a player from another team like, hey, do you want to come to my school? You can't do that unless they're in the portal. So I don't know if, if you guys want to add anything, but that's, that's essentially what it is. Nope. Good job. Yeah. Um, Tyrese asks, who stood out more yesterday, Foreman or Height on the edge? Height had a sack, so I'll go with him. Yeah. All right. He looks good. I mean, just he's just a yeah. good-looking player. Boom. Okay, last spring game question. Carlos Lazareno says, should the spring game keep the same format next year? No, like have an format. actual game. Yes. Oh. The answer is no, have an actual game. If you have enough bodies, you'll actually be able to do that. Yeah. So we'll see if they actually have that next year. Yeah, I didn't mind. Like, it would be nice to be longer. Um, I, the modified scoring, I don't mind that much. I, I don't like – it was a little off. I felt like you, you kind of, I, I like the way I watched the Washington state spring game, do it. Um, you got points for forcing a team to punt. You got points for, you know, turnovers and things like that. And they didn't start with a 21 point lead. It was just zero, zero, but you gave the defense more opportunities to score. Uh, I thought I, I kind of liked the way Washington state scored it, um, but it'd be better to have a spring game. Uh, but you only had two scholarship quarterbacks. They didn't, you know, they didn't have a lot of bodies everywhere. So, um, I'd like to see a, a real game, but that was for not being like a real game. I, I like the way they, they set that one up. All right. Cool. Um, Laymont Hart is, oh, well we have, okay. So we have one last question. Okay. Sagar Patel says, what will be the cadence of inside to our YouTube shows between now and fall camp? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so we are going to continue to do our tunnel vision shows. I don't know if we'll do. Uh, every week, but we we were doing them in the last off season as much as we can, and uh, you know people go on vacations and things like that. We'll do that. 
Uh, but we'll also try to do some individual shows where we get someone on video uh, maybe during the week as like a former player or coach or current players, things like that, where it, maybe it's more of a one-on-one -on -one thing or two of us or, you know, we'll, we'll try to do some, mix them up and do some other shows. Uh, we've been putting up a whole bunch of videos on our Inside Troy uh, YouTube channel. So thank you guys all for, for watching those. We'll continue to do that kind of stuff. And if you have any, you know, ideas for things you'd like to see, we'll definitely do that. But we'd love to keep doing these shows, you know, during the off season. I think, especially for the next month or two, there's going to be a whole bunch of transfer portal news we can talk about. Uh, and then sort of kind of building up uh, to that. So, yeah, so we, we definitely plan on keeping doing these. We'll, you know, if you just like the podcast version, we'll do those too. Lots of podcasts uh, throughout the off season and uh, have a lot of fun with that. So Chris has his own, the, the composite two-star podcast. Shotgun does his own where he does some interviews that hurt it on the sidelines. Uh, I do one with Harvey Hyde. We're going to do one of those tomorrow. Chris and I will do one. So we'll we'll keep doing the podcast. We'll get Nicole maybe involved in some podcasts if she likes doing that kind of stuff. We haven't had you on one yet, have you or no? No, no. I'm down. All I right. love a good we'll podcast. Do. So lots of shows, <laughs> lots of multimedia stuff, uh, all of it on uscfootball.com. If you're not a subscriber, just go over there and sign up for a buck. It's cheap. Come on, just do it. It's, it's, uh, it's the best stuff. Uh, so easy to do. And uh, you'll have it's a great community over there at the Peristyle. You can talk throughout the offseason with all your USC fans, arguing about who should be this and that, all that stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. So keeps you going throughout the season. You, you know, you'll be up to speed on what's going on with USC football. Is that the last one? There's one about basketball, Shotgun. I don't know if you want to touch on that or not. Sure, should I can grab it real quick. Finish uh, it up. All right. Yeah, Big T asked if we, if we land a top point guard via transfer and Drew Peterson returns, can basketball be better next season? Trey White's a monster in the front court is reloaded. Also, how about the Trojans in the NBA playoffs? And congratulations to Jordan McLaughlin show, showing out last night, getting 16 points off the bench for for the Timberwolves to help them get a win. Um, you know, uh, Demar Derozan going off for uh, I think a 40 point uh, game a, a couple days ago as well. So, good shout out to them as well for for playing well. But yes, to answer the question. They could be even better this year, even without Isaiah Mobley. If they get that top point guard, the two young guys coming in, that'll be the question of how far this team could go. Uh, but a point guard is, you know, is is could be a game changer for them. And to answer, you guys have one final chance. Oh. Can you name the third running back from that 2015 class, along with Ronald Jones and Aka Cedric Ware? I'm ready. I'm ready for the answer. You said you said, you said it was a local guy right was a local guy from Dominic bishop davis. alamany high school dominic davis dominic. which carlos I just said carlos, that you just said that i agreed with you i let you have <laughs> okay okay i thought i got muted just talk again. over i thought i got muted again <laughs> i could do that and, and carlos did a did a Carlos brought it back up here in a thread because Carlos was the one that got it correct the first time. So congratulations to him. It was Dominic Davis who was a running back and then a cornerback and then a running back and then back and forth all the time. And they never gave him a chance to return kicks as much as they probably should have. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, brother, Roderick Pleasant. We'll yep, exactly. His, his brother, Roderick Pleasant, is one of USC's top cornerback prospects in the 2023 class as well. Nice. Um, well, this is how I'll show you guys the studio. It's all by myself, just me. Uh, everyone else, pretty much view. Um, that's all of us. As far as uh, the show, hope you guys enjoyed all of that. Uh, we got Chris, we got Nicole, we got Shotgun, 
and we got me. Um, we'll be back next week. I think all of us will be back. Uh, probably Nicole and I in studio, shotgun remote, and then Chris remote. <laughs> it's your big day, bud. Getting his first <laughs> tattoo. Uh, I want everything to go smoothly. I just want to get this over with. I'm tired of everyone messaging me. The fact that Sean Cody knows that you're is that cool that Sean Cody knows you're getting a tattoo, like because of your Twitter and stuff or Yeah, he sought me out and <laughs> brought me in. He's and was like, dude. When are we getting that tattoo? And he was like, I was like, next next uh next Sunday. He was like he was like, F yeah, let's do it. And I was He's like, Oh god. We'll have to get him on as a guest soon. Um, Sean's a great guy. We we had him on during the pandemic. We had him on. We did a show. I think Shotgun, me, Keely, and maybe we even a, Dan. We did a rewatch of was it the last time USC played Oklahoma? Yeah, the 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 Orange Bowl. And so Sean Cody had like a sack and stuff. So we were basically like this, but we're actually watching the game or like highlights of the game. Oh, I think we watched ah. the whole game. And Sean was like talking about the play, like when he got the big sack, like he was, you know. Pat himself on the back. Oh, that was really fun, actually, to kind of watch the game with him. This was really when, Nicole, when there was, like, no sports going on at all. So we were, yeah. like, making up whatever we could. We watched an old game with, <laughs> with Sean Cody. And, uh, that was, but That's that was awesome. a lot of fun. We'll, so, we'll try to throw the uh, we'll try to throw the link to that in the uh, in the YouTube comments. So if, if you guys haven't checked that one out, it was definitely really fun. So you should check that one out and take a little bit of time and listen to Sean Cody kind of narrating, uh, you know, what was going on that week as well as what happened during that during the game as well. Yeah, it was good. He's a, he's a great dude. So I've been, I've been at some golf tournaments and stuff with him, but he's he's a funny one. But well, appreciate you guys all turning. We had a whole bunch of people watching. Uh, live on all the different platforms, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. So thank you guys all for doing that. Uh, it's great to wrap up spring football. We'll have a fun one next week. You want to see Chris get tatted up, and then we'll keep going and uh, talk about whatever news. There'll be a lot of news. Um, you know, before it was like coaching news and stuff, and then it was like recruiting news and roster news. It's going to be a lot of roster news, I think, for the next, you know, several weeks, couple months as they kind of fill out that roster. And we'll, we'll stay on top of all that over at uscfootball.com. But for Chris, Nicole, Shotgun, I am Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.